Well, this is the last Sunday of 2012, and uh, the new year is right around the corner, just a couple days away. Tuesday is New Year's Day. Have I got that right? So Happy New Year, since I may not see you on Tuesday. Happy New Year. It's a time for a fresh start. I always enjoy the new year. We look back at the end of a year. We look back on how God has blessed us, the good things that God has given to us this last year, but we look forward. We look forward to the good things that God has in the future for us. Now today is our last message in the Who is Jesus message series. and I've named it Jesus, Our Coming King. And we're going to take some time to look forward to the return of Jesus Christ to this earth. It could be in the new year. It could be next year, 2013, or it could be further off in the future. We don't know. You know, when Jesus ascended into heaven following the resurrection, the angels told the disciples in Acts 1.11. And the verses are written out in the white page in the middle of your bulletin. You can follow along there, as well as the outline. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus, who has been taken from you into heaven, will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. And so Jesus, who left this earth to go to heaven, is coming back again. The Bible tells us, not just this in these verses, but in many different places. We just don't know when. And so our purpose today is not to figure out the timetable of all the events. There's a lot of controversy about that. Exactly how things are going to take place in the last days. The Bible warns us against people setting the day of Christ's return. <clears throat> but we see people doing that again and again. And they've been wrong so far. <clears throat> and so rather than looking ahead to Christ's return and trying to predict the exact day or the year or the month or, or even the season, looking to his return actually helps us live here and now. Looking forward to Christ's return, the Bible teaches, is going to help us live for him, motivate us to live for God in 2013. 2 Peter 3.10 says, The day of the Lord will come like a thief. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming. Interesting verse. The day of the Lord speaks of the whole time of the coming of Jesus Christ. It probably involves a number of events, but central in that is the coming of Jesus back to this earth. And ultimately, when Jesus comes, there's going to be, there's going to be a judgment. There's going to be a destruction of the earth and heavens as we know it. And the Bible says there's going to be a new heavens, a new hev uh, earth created. And that's why it talks in this verse, since everything will be destroyed. But how is that to impact us in the new year? Well, these verses tell us that as we look forward to this day of the Lord, as we look forward to the return of Christ, we ought to live godly and holy lives. You see, when we take our eyes off what we have to do today and all the, how should I say it, nitpicky things we have to do to, to live, we, we get our eyes off the dust and we lift them to the future, we lift them to eternity, it helps us prioritize our lives on this earth. To live holy and godly lives. And incredibly, these verses tell us that when we live life God's way, when we live those kinds of holy and godly lives, we speed His coming. We hasten the coming of the Lord. Now, now how can that be? 
If we look at this whole passage in 2 Peter 3, we see the reason that Jesus hasn't returned yet is that he's patiently waiting for more people to be saved. You know, he could return right now. But there's people that he wants saved, people he wants to repent and become his children that have not yet believed. And so he's patiently waiting for those people to become believers. That's the reason Christ has not returned yet. But as we live godly lives, as we live holy lives, we're more effective, aren't we, in reaching people who do not yet know Jesus Christ. And I believe that in that way, as we reach out to those that don't know the Lord yet, we speed His coming. We speed the coming of the Lord. And when we live the way that God intends, we live holy and godly lives, God blesses our lives. And that's a good thing. So that we can be a blessing to others. Now, Jesus gave extensive teaching on his second coming in a number of places, but particularly in Matthew's chapter 24 and 25. And I encourage you to read those chapters this week uh, as you go through the notes for this message, and you'll get a broader picture, a bigger picture, of the return of Christ. But today we're going to look at one of several parables that Jesus taught in these chapters to answer the question, how should we live in the light of Jesus coming again. First of all, we need to believe that he's coming again. Many people don't believe that he is coming again. The Bible tells us that in 2 Peter 3. It says, first of all, you must understand that in the last days, and you and I are living in the last days. The last days is the time between when Jesus ascended into heaven till when he comes again. We are living in the period of the last days. It's the period of the last days is extended now for some 2,000 years. And it will extend until he returns. This verse says, You must understand that in the last days, scoffers will come, scoffing and following their own evil desires. They will say, Where is this coming, he promised? Ever since our fathers died, everything goes on as it has since the beginning of creation. And so scoffers believe simply what their eyes see. They can't see Jesus. They can't see, as it were, anything happening. And they, they say, we don't believe God is supernaturally involved in his creation. We don't believe Jesus is coming again. And because of those scoffers, many churches rarely talk about the coming of Christ. It just seems too unreal, too far off. But yet the Bible is full of the references to Jesus coming again. Jesus himself spoke of his coming in many different ways passages of scripture. Now the parable that we're going to be talking about today that Jesus taught is often called the parable of the ten virgins. It's found in Matthew chapter 25 and it begins and says, Jesus begins and says, at that time the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. And so the time it says at that time, the time that Jesus is speaking about in this parable is at the end of the last days, immediately prior to his return. And the story speaks of a wedding in which ten virgins are going to meet the bridegroom as he comes home with his bride to his house. And so they're waiting for this wedding celebration. Now of these ten virgins that are waiting for the bridegroom, the Bible tells us here that five are wise and five are are foolish. Now what does this parable refer to? Well, 
The bridegroom refers to Jesus Christ. In many places in Scripture, Jesus is called the bridegroom. And the church is often called the bride of Christ. Believers are the bride of Christ. But in this case, the ten virgins are those who appear to be believers. And we'll find out that some were not. And they are there to celebrate with the bridegroom. As we believe that Jesus is coming again, we mustn't be foolish, but must, we, we mustn't be foolish, we mustn't be unprepared. Verse 3, Jesus says, The foolish ones, the foolish virgins, took their lamps, but did not take any oil with them. See, the bridegroom was returning to his home at night. And the wedding procession would be going through the street celebrating, and they needed their lamps. The problem with the foolish virgins is that they did take their lamps, and it appears there was some oil in their lamps, but they didn't take extra oil. They were not prepared for the bridegroom to delay his return. They were not prepared to keep their lamps for a long time. Now, the word foolish in the English language isn't a real strong word. Uh, it's not a good word, but it's not a real strong word. And it, it, in our vocabulary, it means something like being forgetful. Well, they just forgot. They forgot. But in the Greek language, it's a much more forceful word when it calls someone foolish. The Greek word is one from which it's called more. It's from which we derive the English word moron, which is a stronger word than foolish, is it not? Yeah, I think it is in the English language. It means, foolish in the Bible means to be stupid. It means to be lacking moral character. It means to be rebellious and not obeying God's commands. That's what the foolish virgins were like. So rather than being unprepared, we ought to be wise. That's the opposite of being foolish. And prepare. The wise virgins in verse 4 however, took oil and lamps in jars along with their lamps. So not only did the wise virgins take their lamps for the wedding procession to meet the bridegroom, they also took a jar or some container of extra oil so they were prepared if the oil in the lamps was used up. They planned ahead. They were prepared to be ready no matter how long the bridegroom took in coming. So how should we interpret this first part of the parable? I mean, how does this apply to us? It's a story, it's right, but what does it mean for us? You and I are to relate to the virgins. The virgins are professing believers in Jesus. They are friends of the bridegroom. If you're a believer, you want to be a friend of Jesus, right? Jesus is our friend. They were all looking to meet the bridegroom. But the foolish virgins were not prepared with this extra oil. They were not ready to... Meet him. They were not prepared to persevere in their faith until Jesus returned. And that is a recurring theme through Scripture. A true believer will persevere to the end. A true believer will persevere until Jesus returns. Now what is the oil? Well, in the Bible, the oil, oil is a symbol of the Holy Spirit. All good deeds done for God in his kingdom, all the things that we are to do for God can only be done through the power of the Holy Spirit. If someone is not filled with the Spirit, if someone is not actively serving God, then they're not prepared for the return of Christ. 
But when you're filled with the oil of the Spirit, then you have the strength to persevere. You have the strength to continue serving God until He returns. So next Sunday, we're beginning a new message series called Goals 2013. And we're going to be looking at setting goals for our lives in the new year. Being prepared for God's return. Making good use of the time He's given to us. Keeping our lamps full of oil. Because the Bible teaches that Jesus could return any time. Jesus could return in the next five minutes. Matthew 25, verse 5 and 6. It says, The bridegroom was a long time in coming, and they all became drowsy and fell asleep. At midnight, the cry rang out, Here's the bridegroom. Come out to meet him. So in this story, the return of the bridegroom took longer than expected. They expected him to come back sooner, but he didn't come. And they all fell asleep. None of them are condemned in the story for falling asleep. They were tired. But finally, at midnight, at the darkest hour, the bridegroom appeared. The point of much of Jesus' teaching on his return is that it's unexpected. It's unpredictable. You don't know when it's going to happen. We speak of Jesus' return as being imminent. It means there's nothing in the Bible that has to be fulfilled prior to Christ's return. No specific sign has to take place. Now, we've talked about God wants a certain number of people to be saved, but we have no idea when the last person is going to be saved and he's going to return. So there's nothing we can put our mind to and figure it out. It could happen today. It could happen tomorrow. It could happen next year. And since Jesus will return without warning, there's really no time to prepare. Verse 7, Jesus goes on with the story. Then all the virgins woke up and trimmed their lamps. They woke up from their sleep at the, at the call. The bridegroom is coming. And they got their lamps uh, trimmed. Exactly what that means. It wicks, trimmed, so it was, the light was shining brightly. They hastened to trim the lamps and prepare to meet him. And as we'll see in the next few verses, there was no time to change anything when the bridegroom appeared. The way they were was the way it was going to be. Being prepared was costly. Verses 8 and 9, The foolish virgins said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, our lamps are going out. No, they replied, the wise ones replied, there may not be enough for both of us and you. Instead, go to those who sell oil and buy some for yourselves. And so the foolish virgins knew they were in trouble. Their lamps were going out. They didn't have any extra oil. So they inquired of the wise ones, you have some extra oil, give us some of your oil. But they couldn't get oil from another virgin because the wise ones had prepared for themselves. And so the foolish virgins went out looking for oil to buy it. You see, oil has to be purchased. There's a cost to it. The bridegroom was arriving and they frantically were searching for oil. Apparently, the foolish virgins had not wanted to pay the cost for acquiring this extra oil. 
they had not wanted to make the sacrifice necessary to be prepared to meet the bridegroom. They'd used the resources God had given them for something else. And they didn't have enough oil. Jesus is teaching us here that we need to be proactive in preparing for his return. It takes sacrifice to be filled with the Holy Spirit. It takes sacrifice to be active in serving God in all of life. It takes sacrifice to take of your resources and give to God. Just as the wise virgins had to take of their resource to purchase this extra oil. It cost them something. Everything that we give to God, as it were, purchases oil that prepares us for his coming. Some people want to put off serving God until circumstances in their life are right. Some people procrastinate. But the Bible teaches us that Jesus could return at any time. Or you and I could pass on at any time. Is that not true as well? And then it will be too late. I'd encourage you to read the other parables. There's a number of other parables in Matthew 25. Sometime possibly I'll teach on them, but not in the immediate future. And look at them and see how God decides someone's eternal fate. It may be eye-opening. It might be a little different than you've thought before. But to serve God, to have our lamps filled with oil, means that we give up other things for God. We give up other things for his kingdom. We give up other things for his church. Just as the wise virgins did. And we anticipate a heavenly banquet. The story goes on in verse 10. It says, while they were on their way to buy the oil, remember this is the foolish virgins going out, frantically looking to buy oil, the bridegroom arrived. The virgins who were ready went in with him to the wedding banquet. And the door was shut. And so the bridegroom arrived. Here he was. The wise virgins were ready. Their lamps were lit. They followed the procession into the banquet hall. The banquet is spoken of in the book of Revelation. It's called the marriage supper of the Lamb. That's when the church, the believers... Meet with Jesus in heaven. And they have this wonderful banquet. A time of fellowshipping with him. That really speaks of the eternal joy with the Lord. That's going to last forever. Once the bridegroom arrived. Once the wise virgins went into the house. The door was shut. And where else in scripture have we heard the, uh, the term the door was shut. One that comes to mind is. Noah's Ark. God told Noah to build this ark. And he and his family went into the ark. As God had commanded. And the rain started following. Rain started falling. After they went into the ark. The Bible says the door was shut. And all those outside. Banged on the door and wanted to get in, but it was too late. They had not believed God. They had not prepared for what God had warned was coming. And they perished in the flood. The door was shut. And the foolish had no second chance. 
Verse 11 and 12, it says, Later the others also came. Sir, sir, they said, open the door for us. These are the foolish virgins banging on the door to the banquet hall. But he replied, I tell you the truth, I don't know you. Now actually in the Greek text, the foolish virgins say, Lord, Lord. It's kurios, kurios. I don't know why they translated here, sir, sir, but it's Lord, Lord. They were begging the bridegroom, Lord, don't you know us? We, we were your friends. Don't you remember? Open the door to the banquet hall for us. But his reply was, I, I don't know you. They thought they knew him, but they really didn't. And he said he didn't know them at all. They had no relationship. And so once the door is shut, once Jesus returns, once the bridegroom comes, there's no second chance. And so what is Jesus' conclusion to this story? We need to keep watch for his return continually. Verse 13 is Jesus' conclusion to the parable. He says, therefore, keep watch. You might want to circle those words. Keep watch because you do not know the day or the hour. That's the point of the parable. We ought to keep watching. We're to be prepared for Jesus' return at all times. Why? Because we don't know the day or the hour. It could be any time. So unless we're prepared continually, we're not going to be ready. We need to be on the alert. Now what does it mean to keep watch? It means to let the reality of Jesus' return continually be in our minds. To be in our hearts. To keep watch is to allow the truth of Jesus' return to guide our goals and priorities in life. So that we're looking to eternity. We're looking to things of eternal value rather than just the things of this life. You know, there's a popular question that people ask. What would Jesus do? WWJD. And that's not a bad question. You know, when you're trying to decide whether I should do something or not, what would Jesus do? And if we can answer that question, that's what we should do as well. But this parable really has us ask another question. It's how should I live if Jesus would return today? If we knew Jesus was going to return this evening, tonight at 5 o'clock, how would we live? That's what it means to keep watch because we don't know. Maybe he will return at 5 o'clock. So certainly we should live in light of his imminent return. So we need to keep watch for ourselves. But as I was meditating on this story, I, I was thinking a little bit more about the foolish virgins. It's really sad, isn't it? They thought they had a relationship with the bridegroom, but they didn't. He didn't know them, and they didn't live their lives preparing for his return. They didn't live their lives keeping watch. So I think... Another aspect of this story, we ought to keep watch for ourselves, but we also need to, to think about others as well. We need to keep watch for others. Are those around us who, who claim to be Christians, who claim to believe in God, but they're not prepared for his return because they don't really have a relationship with him. They're not even thinking about the possibility of Jesus coming back again. Let's ask the Lord to help us, to show them what a true relationship with Jesus is. How they can be prepared. How they can be ready. So that they won't be shut out from heaven forever.
God wants his banquet table filled. And you and I can do our part in making that come to pass. Jesus is our coming king. He's going to come as king of kings and lord of lords. He's going to make everything that's wrong. He's going to make it right one day. He's coming back to receive those to himself who believe in him. Who are keeping watch. Who are prepared. And he's coming back in judgment for those who have not believed. You're either in one camp or the other. You're either wise or you're foolish. So as we look forward to the new year. Let's make it a priority to keep watch. To remember that Jesus is coming back. Let's be wise. Let's make sure our lives are filled with the Holy Spirit. And we're doing the things that God is calling us to do. Following his commands. And let's have hearts of compassion for those that don't understand. For those that are living lives just looking at the things they can see. And ask God to help us to reach out to them. To reach many more people for him in the new year. So how can we be ready? First of all, we need to begin a relationship with Jesus Christ. And this morning, if you are not sure you have a relationship with him, if you've just heard about Jesus, but you're not sure you know him personally, if he would come back today, you're not sure if the door would be open for you. If that's you, you need to admit that you've sinned, that you've done wrong things. You need to believe in Jesus. Commit your whole heart and life to him. So let's bow our heads right now. We're going to pray. And if you don't know that you've made this decision before, I encourage you to pray with me. Or perhaps you want to recommit your life on this last Sunday of 2012. Pray something like this in your mind. Say, Father, today I, I admit that I've sinned. I haven't been living in light of your return. I haven't been thinking about it at all. Please forgive me. I believe that Jesus died on the cross. That I might be forgiven. Come into my life. I believe that you are coming again. And I commit my life to living for you. All the days of my life. And for those of us who are believers. Let's pray that God would help us to live in light of his return, that God would help us keep watch in 2013. Father, we thank you for this teaching of Jesus about being prepared, about being ready for his return. Help us to be wise, to be prepared. Fill us with your Holy Spirit, God. Help us to be effective at the things you're calling us to do. Show us how you want us to follow you in the new year. We pray, God, that you give us opportunities to lead those around us to come to know you. Help each one of us grow spiritually in the new year, God. Help us to reach out and touch other people's lives. Help our church to grow as well so that more people can hear your truth all across the St. Louis area. In Jesus' name we pray.